It's the holiday season, so it's great to welcome Bert Craig back to MSU today. Bert is a professor of both forestry and horticulture at Michigan State University and a Christmas tree specialist. So, Bert, great to have you back on the program. Good to be here, Russ. Thanks. What's the latest sort of state of the health of the Christmas tree uh, industry, particularly in Michigan, but, but around the country? How's the industry doing? Doing quite well, actually. I uh, think things are going well with our growers. Um, you know, demand has been up uh, the last few years. Uh, the Christmas tree industry is pretty, pretty concerted effort into promotion. The growers themselves uh, voted for what's called a promotion package uh, some years ago. And so that those funds are kicking in as sort of a self-tax. 15 cents per tree goes into this promotion fund, also helps to support research. And so the, uh, the promotion, you know, is starting to pay off. And so um, demand has been good. And so uh, I think we're seeing a good, a good industry uh, growth these days. And Bert, what is some of the latest research you and your colleagues are involved in as it relates to Christmas trees? Yeah, so we've got lots of, lots of things going on at, at different levels. So uh, kind of an, on the broadest scale, we're involved in kind of a multi-state effort. We have a project looking at Turkish fir and Trojan fir, which are both uh, fir species that grow, as you would guess, in Turkey and the Mediterranean region. And so we've been working for about the past, oh, eight, nine years now in evaluating those along with colleagues at uh, Washington State, Oregon State, uh, North Carolina State, Penn State, and uh, the Connecticut Ag Experiment Station. So uh, the idea there is we're always looking for, you know, ways to improve the, the Christmas tree industry. In this case, we're looking at new species. Uh, these are some species that have some advantages in terms of particularly disease resistance. And so we think that can, can help our, our growers in the long run. So right now we're just trying to evaluate how the trees grow in the different regions. Uh, we were just in the lab yesterday working on some cold tolerance with some of the samples from Washington State. So it really is kind of a, a, a national level kind of initiative and things we're working towards to, to help the, the industry. Closer to home, we've had a, a long uh, term project going on looking at Coning and Fraser fir. Uh, Fraser fir is our premier species here in Michigan. For the growers, it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, the trees tend to produce cones at an early age. Doesn't seem like it would be a, a big issue probably for the, for the person on the street, but for the grower, it is. Uh, they need to pick these cones off when they start to develop and it's a huge labor issue. Uh, can even be a safety issue that you know folks are up on ladders you know trying to pick these cones off when, when they're getting ready uh, when the trees are getting bigger so we've been been working on that through several different uh, efforts and, and making some progress actually we've been looking at plant growth regulators and other approaches for, for dealing with the the problem so we're we're contributing to the growers uh, that way and Bert you mentioned the demand for real trees has been up recently what about the supply though you've mentioned the national shortage is that correct yeah well it's it it seems to come up every year uh i don't know i think you know you're you're involved in in journalism i think they they all go to school for the the grab your wallet story i don't know every every time um and so christmas tree production is cyclic and so it usually takes uh eight to ten years to produce a tree and so we've often seen this, you know you can't see my hand going up and down here but but this constant sort of wave where prices go up, a lot of people get into it, think this is a good thing. And then eight to nine years later, you have an oversupply, prices go down, people get out. And so we've always kind of had this, this uh, cycle. And so we are in a little bit of the, 
of the down cycle in terms of the supply. So prices are up somewhat. The supply issue, and, and you'll hear this national Christmas tree shortage and the grab your wallet story on the, on the local news. And really for the consumer, I don't think it's going to be a big issue. The, the people that are going to feel it would be, uh, say, someone that's running a local corner Christmas tree stand. Now, if they haven't been taking care of their supply and, and getting up their inventory lined up, uh, you know, they could find themselves in a situation where they sell out and then are not able to get resupplied. So in that standpoint, you know, you could see some issues for the consumer. You know, you go to the stand down the street and, and they've probably got trees. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be a direct impact for the consumer, but probably for those people that have the, the corner lot and, again, haven't necessarily kept up with their inventory and, and planning, they could find themselves scrambling to, to get trees. But I think for the consumer, trees will be out there. You know, you might need to look a little longer. You might want to look at a species, you know, a little different than what you've had in the past. If you, you know, have always had Fraser fir, maybe you want to look at a con color or some other species, uh, you know, depending on what's available at, at your lot or the choosing cut place where you go. And Bert, what are some of your favorite species or some that you recommend if, if the Fraser fir or somebody wants to do something different? Yeah, well, of course, Fraser fir is, is the preferred species, and that's where, where a lot of our market is going. Um, I do like concolor fir. Uh, that's one that uh, has a great uh, scent to it, kind of citrusy, almost a different look to it. It's kind of bluish. They can be as blue as a, as a blue spruce. They uh, have kind of a longer needle, so maybe a little bit of a, a coarser kind of appearance, but really a nice, a nice look. So that's one. Uh, also, you know, canane fir is out there. It's a close relative of both Fraser fir and balsam fir. They're sometimes described as a hybrid. They're not. Uh, they're, they're actually just a seed source of, of balsam fir that grows in West Virginia in the Canaan Valley. But it's very close to Fraser fir. It looks very similar in appearance, good needle retention, all of that. So those would be uh, some to look for. Uh, one thing about Michigan, even if you go to a choose and cut farm, you know, we tend to grow more species than a lot of parts of the country. Out in the West, they grow primarily noble fir and Douglas fir. And then in North Carolina, they grow almost exclusively Fraser. But at Mich in Michigan, if you go to choose and cut farm, it's not uncommon to find six, eight different species growing on, on one farm. So there's lots of choices and a lot of it gets down to, to personal preference. Some people still like scotch pine you know, of all things, um, you know, a lot of tradition in, in the holidays and Christmas. And that's what a lot of people grew up with. It was sort of the bread and butter of, of the Michigan industry for years and years. So there's still, you know, some of those out there. White pine is, you know, if, if you want a large tree, but don't want to spend a lot of money, there's an option for you. So really just, I think, go out there with an open mind, see what, see what strikes your fancy. And, um, you know, usually it's the kids that make the decision anyway. So... And Bert, what, what about climate change? Is it impacting the, the Michigan Christmas tree industry? And if so, how? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I don't know that directly we're seeing the impacts. Probably it, it's a little more subtle kind of thing. We are concerned with pests. You know, one of the things that people tend to overlook with, with climate change is, you know, a lot of focus on, well, it's going to be hotter and drier and, and these kind of things. But the other side of it is what's going on with our winter temperatures. And so as we have mild and milder winters, uh, that can allow uh, certain pests, insect pests to overwinter better. Uh, their species, their range may expand. So we could be seeing, you know, pests that we haven't seen before that are moving up from the south. So, so those kind of things. So it's certainly there. I don't know that we'll, 
you know, it's not, you know, we wake up one day and, oh, yeah, that was climate change. It's yeah. just more subtle kinds of things. Probably the one thing I'd say that we do see more commonly now that there could be climate change related is the incidence of late frost damage. And again, it's one of these things that seems, you know, we, we think about hot or drier, but it's also when we get these early spring warm-ups. So if you think back 2012, when we had that thing that wiped out the, the cherry crops, uh, we had 80 degree weather here in East Lansing. We had a week of 80 degree weather in the third week of March. And so as we see more and more of those kind of events, those also have impacts on Christmas trees. I, I talked about uh, concolor fir being a species that when you get alternative to Fraser, one of the issues with concolor fir though is it tends to break bud early. And so when the trees put out new shoots early in the spring, say in March, like that, when we get that warm up, well, we know frosts are coming, right? April, we're gonna get some hard freezes. And so then all those new shoot tips get frosted back and those trees probably are not going to be saleable that year. You know, the next year will grow through it and, and all of that. But so those kind of things uh, are the kind of things that how climate change is, is going to impact our, our Christmas tree growers. It's not going to be one day we wake up, oh, it's too hot to grow Christmas trees. It's going to be the pests. It's going to be the, the late frost damage because of the early warm-up. And then we do see issues with heat and drought. And that's really on the, on the grower's side, that's mainly in terms of getting new plantations established. So they want to, the, the young seedlings are the ones that are most susceptible to drought. Once the trees are up and established four or five years old, you know, they can probably withstand most summers we're going to have. But uh, when we get those hot, dry conditions right after they've planted their new seedlings, those trees are very vulnerable to heat and drought. We're talking about real Michigan Christmas trees here on MSU today, and my guest is Bert Craig. He's a professor of both forestry and horticulture at Michigan State University. And Bert, you're affiliated with a group called the Michigan Christmas Tree Association. Can you tell us a little bit about who they are, their mission, and what someone might find if they go to mcta.org? Yeah, so we work closely with the Michigan Christmas Tree Association. So it's, as the name implies, it's, it's a group of uh, the growers that uh, band together. And so they do a lot of things, primarily information sharing. So they have uh, meetings when we're not having COVID. We do them in person, uh, but lately we've had them virtually. But uh, they sponsor uh, meetings for the growers. So people like myself will get other experts from around the country come in give the growers the latest information on how to manage their pests, uh, business uh, management, all of those, those kinds of things, as well as it's a forum for them to get together and, and share information with one another, which is probably more important even than, than hearing from people like me. Um, so that's a big part of it. Uh, we work closely with them. Uh, we help to organize the educational part of their programs. They have a very nice uh, magazine that comes out quarterly. And so I work with them to help develop content for the magazine, either writing articles or, or looking for people that are appropriate to write the articles for them. So a lot of education uh, associated with that. For the public, I would definitely encourage them to go to the uh, Michigan Christmas Tree Association website, just Google Michigan Christmas Trees, or as you said, mcta.org. For consumers, the nice thing there is they have a, uh, a map of the state. And so it's a kind of a searchable, clickable map there and you can zoom in and you can find the growers in your location uh, that have uh, trees. Uh, I believe you can look on there. It'll show you the, where, the, where the farms are, their contact info if you want to call ahead. 
uh, or it also lists, I think, the types of trees they have for sale and those kind of things. So a good way, uh, rather than just, you know, driving around looking for a farm, you can look ahead and, and see who's close to you and maybe somebody closer than you knew. Bert, let's review some of your tips that are so uh, worthwhile. First, some tips in selecting your real tree. Yeah, so the, the thing we want to talk about when, when you go out to get a, a tree is to get the freshest tree you can. Uh, we talked about there's lots of different types out there. So, you know, what you like is what you like. But the thing, no matter what tree you pick, you want to get the freshest tree you can. Best way to do that is go out and cut your own. And so we have literally dozens and dozens of choose and cut Christmas tree farms around the state. Um, I suspect pretty much anybody that's, that's listening to this probably has, you know, a farm within 30 or 45 minutes of where they're, where they're at. So uh, if you can, that's a great way to do it. Great family activity. Uh, all of that. So that's, you know, the way to get the freshest tree possible. If you go to a lot or a big box store or a garden center, a couple things you want to do. Uh, one thing is to just sort of give the pull test. And again, you can't see my hands here, but you can imagine between your thumb and your forefinger, go along the, the, the shoot there where the needles are, give a gentle pull, not a necessarily a hard pull. I mean, you can probably eventually pull them all off no matter what, but you know, a gentle tug on that and you should see those needles not coming off in your hands. If they're starting to drop, that, that probably tells you, you want to keep looking. If you can, if you're in a lot that say has a, a black top parking lot or something like that, and you have the, the strength, you can do what, what we call the tap test, which is like to pick the tree up and just tap it gently on the, the butt end on the, uh, on the black top there or the, or the concrete. And again, you shouldn't see a lot of needles coming off. So most of these trees, once they're harvested, uh, they'll go through a shaker. And it's a big mechanical thing. It'll shake out the loose needles and grass and bird's nest. You never know what you might find in there. And so by the time it gets to the lot, if you do that, that tap test, you shouldn't see a lot of needles coming off. And again, if you do see, you know, a lot of needles coming off, then, then maybe keep, keep looking. Look at how the trees are being cared for at the lot. Are they being kept shaded? Are they left out in the sun? You know, those kind of things. And again, that all helps to keep the tree fresh. The tree is doesn't know it's dead yet, okay, if you want to think of it that way. And so, you know, real trees, even though they're cut, they're continuing to lose water. They're transpiring. They're photosynthesizing. They're doing everything just like they were out in the field. At least they will eventually. We see cut trees in people's houses start to grow. If they haven't had enough chilling, a certain species will resume growth. So that tree is still functioning as if it's alive, okay, in some sense it still is. And so you want to make sure that it's being protected. You know, it's not quite as big an issue here. Uh, a lot of places down south, you know, they'll make sure the cut ends are, are kept in water. Most of the time around here, if you're looking in December, you know, it's probably below freezing anyway, so you wouldn't be able to, to put the cut end in water. But, but everything that the stand can do to keep those trees fresh, you want to be looking around for that. And Bert, what about maintaining the tree then and keeping it watered throughout the holiday season? Yeah, yeah. So it's really, we talk about a three-part thing, fresh tree, fresh cut, fresh water. So you've got the fresh tree. Uh, when you bring it home, even if it's a choosing cut, if you've let it set for, you know, overnight or so, uh, I would still go ahead and cut off that butt end about an inch or three-fourths of an inch of that trunk. Because what happens is once that tree is cut, there are resin canals in that cross-section of that wood, and that'll begin to, to plug up those, those pores. They're really like a series of big drinking, or little drinking straws, right, that, that's carrying the water up the tree. So uh, give that cut and that'll, that'll get rid of those, uh, that resin that's, that's clogged those pores at the end there and then get that tree into water and get it up in the house. The big thing is, is watering lots of it. 
Uh, we hear different things, you know, bleach and aspirin and sugar and whatever else, you know, soda pop. Really just water. That's all you need to do. And, but lots of it. And people, I don't think, often appreciate how much water a tree can take up, especially if it's a fresh tree. If you've done, gotten a choosing cot or a fresh tree from a lot, again, the tree doesn't know it's dead, okay? It's going to keep taking up water. And uh, oftentimes, especially those first oh, three or four days to a week when it's first in the house, uh, you can almost hear that giant sucking sound as that tree is taking that water up. So check it daily. I check mine a couple times a day when I first bring it in, especially if you have a large tree. You know, if you've got a vaulted ceiling and you've got that uh, 12 foot tree, you want to check that a couple times a day, especially that first week. We usually estimate about a quart of water per inch of diameter. So if you look at that cut end of your tree, they're typically going to be about three or four inches across for a, for a normal sized Christmas tree. Well, that means that tree can take up three quarts to a gallon of water a day. Uh, and most of our stands maybe hold a gallon. And then you have to count for the displacement of the tree itself. So definitely check that tree often and keep the water to it. And that's really the biggest thing. Also, you know, think about where you place your tree avoid heat sources. If you've got, you know, a, a vent or something, make sure you put the tree away from that. Or if you can't, you know, maybe a piece of cardboard or something kind of so air is not going directly onto the tree. Same thing, if you can keep it away from direct sunlight, that helps. So those things will all help keep the tree fresh. And Bert, when the holidays are over, how do we properly and sustainably dispose of the tree? Right. So we want to make sure that we're uh, looking for uh, tree recycling. So depending on where you're at here in Michigan, uh, different ways of doing it. Uh, some cities have curbside pickup. Just leave the tree out on the curb and they, and they pick it up and it gets uh, recycled that way. A lot of other places have central recycling. So look around for that. Oftentimes it's a park or something like that and you can you drop your tree off and then they'll often bring, bring in a grinder or something like that. And then those trees get ground up, made into mulch, go onto trails, beds, things like that. So, uh, but definitely the thing we want to avoid is, is the trees ending up in the landfill. So make sure that tree gets recycled. Some people live out in the country, you know, they'll put the tree out in the field and it makes good bird habitat. Uh, there's some places where they drop them down into lakes and it makes fish habitat. So lots of ways of, of doing it, but just make sure that tree gets recycled somehow. And Bert, is, is the pandemic impacting anything we've talked about is mainly, I guess, for the selection of the tree or just any part of the process? Yeah, it's, it's been a big issue. And we talked about, you know, the Christmas Tree Association and, and the kind of information sharing. And that's been a big topic, both at the meetings as well as uh, different email streams and so forth, and, and, a, and a big concern for the growers. And it's, and it's you know, a, a two-way uh, deal. Uh, we've seen, for example, with a lot of these, you want to call them agritainment kind of things, a big spike in that, the orchards, the, the pumpkin patches, all of that, because we all can't go very far these days. And certainly for, for people with kids, you're looking for activities. And so we are seeing, you know, more people interested in that kind of thing. And so I think Christmas trees will, will benefit from that. And I think just a general feeling we all have these days of, you know, of being home and, and drawing together and all of that. So I think there is some, some things that will, will benefit the Christmas tree uh, growers that way. They are concerned and we all are, you know, in terms of how do we handle crowds? How do we maintain distance and all of that? And so call ahead to your farm if you're concerned, see what they're doing. Most of them have been thinking about this since March. Uh, and they've been planning for it all along, ways of keeping people separate. You know, maybe you have to walk to the field instead of taking the wagon ride with some other people. 
you know, different ways of keeping people distance. Uh, some farms are taking appointments. So again, use that website, call ahead, see what they're doing. Uh, you know, you don't want to get there with a carload of kids and find out, okay, this is appointment only. Uh, so find out what's going on there. Uh, they're also taking steps, you know, sanitizing all of that. Uh, you know, the, you know, if, you, if you've been to a choose and cut place, you know, they usually hand you a saw. So they're making sure, you know, that's all been cleaned and uh, all of that. So I think, you know, the growers are, are well aware and it's been on their radar since March and they've been planning for it. So I think people can feel confident. But again, I would try to, if you know where you're going to go, uh, wouldn't hurt to call ahead, visit their website, visit their Facebook page, see what kind of steps they're taking, and then make sure that you're ready when you get there. And so everybody can have a good experience, get the tree you want, and enjoy the holidays. Well, Bert, appreciate you sharing all your expertise. Is there anything important I haven't asked you, or do you want to summarize what you'd like us to know about real Michigan Christmas trees? The main thing I like to get home on this is, is the, you know, keeping the tree fresh. You want people to have a good experience. Um, nothing's worse than, you know, having a, a real tree and then getting a bunch of needles on the floor or worse, you know, have it become a, a safety hazard. So I think making sure that if you're getting a real tree, and especially for people that maybe haven't had a real tree before, that's an important thing. So making sure that you get the tree fresh, that you keep lots of water to it. That's really the, the big thing we want to emphasize. You know, one thing about Michigan, we are one of the major growers, third in the country. And so one thing people can feel good about when they're getting a tree here in Michigan is that, you know, you're keeping your money local, you're supporting the local economy. And I think that's a good thing to be doing in these times. And that's Bert Craig. He's a professor of forestry and horticulture at Michigan State University. And again, a good website for anything we've talked about related to real Michigan Christmas trees, MCTA. Dot org Or like Bert said, just Google Michigan Christmas trees or Christmas tree association. It'll pop up. So Bert, thanks again for sharing your expertise with us. All right. Good to be here, Russ. Thank you. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.